Masechet Yevamot, Adaf Peh, He. We have two topics today. The first one is a continuation of the case of a halal man marrying a bat kohen who's kosher, which we saw yesterday, according to Dav, is permitted. A little bit more discussion about that. Most of the Daf is going to be talking about who deserves a ketuvah when there's a prohibited relationship. Our Mishnah mentioned that if you have shiniyot, uh, if someone is married, for example, to a grandmother, which is a secondary uh, pro- prohibited relation, um, so then uh, there uh, is uh, one, then in that case, there is no ketuvah payment. Uh, they have to divorce and there's no ketuvah. And that's only midrabanan or divrei sofrim. Whereas with you have an almanalukun gadol or something like that, which is deoraita, and therefore a more, um, a, a more stringent uh, problem, nevertheless, uh, the, they have to divorce, and she does get her ketubah. So we're going to deal with that paradox. How come in the Rabbanan case, in this, and at least in this Rabbanan case, the, there is no ketubah payment, but in the Doraita case, there is a ketubah payment. Okay, so we get to we go to the question of the halal kohen marrying a um, bat uh, a bat kohen. Rav Papa Ravuna Bered Rav Yoshua Ikleu Lehin Sebu Latre Rav Idi Bar Avin. So Rav Papa Ravuna, the son of Yoshua, they went to this place of Hin Sebu, uh, which was the town of Rav Idi. Every uh, city had uh, a town that was their local uh, main rabbi. But when other rabbis came to visit, so then there was more more Torah knowledge, so people would ask them more questions. So Baominaihu, so the people in the town asked the, the visitors the following question. If you have a woman who's a bat kohen, she's kosher. Can she marry a man who's a kohen who's a halal? Is that permitted or not? The papa says, oh, I have it in Mishnah. I can answer you from that. Mishnah Kiddushin talks about Asada Yuchasin Alumi Babel at the beginning of the second Bet HaMikdash when the returnees came from Babel back to Israel. There were ten classes. Kohanim Levim V'Yisraelim that's three. Halalim Gerim V'Charurim so Halal is a Kohen who's Pasul uh, getting convert. Chadurim is someone who's freed, uh, a um, uh, Evid Kanani who's freed. Then we have Mamzerim, a uh, result of incestual um, uh, uh, intercourse. Netinim, uh, who the Gibeonites, Shituki uh, Vasufi. Shituki, we don't know who the father is, or Asufi, we don't know any who any of the parents are. Uh, it's a founding, and so we're not sure who they are. Okay, that's the ten groups. Now, who can marry one another? These three groups, they're all allowed to marry each other. Interesting, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they wanted Kohanim only to marry other families of Kohanim. Okay, but not the rabbis. These are all called Kasher, they can marry each other. Now, there's an overlap. We're leaving out Kohanim, because Kohanim cannot marry uh, Gerim. But Yisra- Levi and Yisrael, or a halal, a kohen who's, uh, who's uh, uh, unfit, they can marry uh, converts and freed slaves. Good. Now, overlap again. These, the converts and the freed slaves, they are allowed to marry each other and also mamzerim netinim So, because we don't know who the parents are, they could be the safek mamzerim. 
And so, but they're all permitted to each other. So that's the end of the Mishnah. What's the proof of the Papa? It doesn't say that there is a permission for a Kohen, uh, for a, a Bat Kohen to marry a Chalal, right? It just says that um, uh, Kohanim, cannot marry, Kohanim uh, can marry Israel, but a, then it says Halalim, Halalim cannot marry Kohanim, so it sounds like it doesn't matter which way, male or female, and uh, whether the, uh, where she is a Halal and he is a Kohen, uh, that's for sure not allowed, everyone agrees to that, but the other way around sounds like also it would be prohibited, if he is the, um, if he is the Halal and she is okay, then uh, sounds like it's not it's not it's not permitted because it's a different class in the marriage um, groups here. Okay, so that's proof that it would be prohibited. But uh, the, you know, the other guests there, uh, Ravuna, was, uh, the son of Yeshua, told him, uh, wait a 2nd There's no proof. Maybe this Mishnah is only giving permit is only. Uh, a listing cases where both he can marry her and she can marry him, right? When it's both ways, then it's giving you the things that are allowed. Uh, otherwise, it's not going to mention them. So, Kohen, but since if, if he uh, is a uh, if he's a Kohen and he's kosher, if he wanted to marry a Halala, it would be prohibited. So that's why it does not mention as as permitted any case of anyone who's from a Kohen family marrying anyone who's a Halal family uh, would, are not listed. But just because it's not listed doesn't mean it's not okay. Maybe in fact a kosher, uh, maybe in fact a Halal can marry a Bat Kohen, it's just not mentioning it because it's not reciprocal. Good. So there's no proof from here. So finally, they came to Ravidi Baravin. He was the host, right, of this place. And there, meanwhile, they're discussing, but he comes along and he says, children, right? It's a, 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 a derogatory way of speaking about them, right? What do you mean? Why are you discussing this? We have a tradition from Rav who says that there is no warning against um, a Bat Kohen who's Keshera to marry a Halal. It's totally fine. Uh, so it's like, what, you don't know this tradition of Rav? You're trying to figure it out from a Mishnah? So in fact, uh, even though the townspeople are asking these guests, it was their, their um, local rabbi who knew the answer the whole time. All right, that ends that discussion, and now we get to the next part of the Mishnah that says Shniyot Medivre Sofrim is talking about uh, secondary arayot, uh, and um, the Mishnah said uh, talked about the case, which we'll review, and said that uh, they have to divorce, and she does not get a ketuva. So here's the question: so let's review the case here where we're talking about a case where a guy has two wives and he has a son from each wife. So they are paternal brothers. 
Therefore, they do. They are obligated to do yibum for each other. This guy here uh, married his grandmother. That's prohibited, but it's only secondary. Uh, and he dies without children. Now, this guy can do yibum with her because it's not his grandmother. Uh, he's not directly related, so this is permitted. So he can do yibum. Now, the question is regarding ketuvah. So we know that in this case, they they had they were supposed to separate. Uh, they were supposed to divorce, and um, she would not get a ketuvah in such a case, uh, and la ketuvah. But now that he died, and Shimon is going to uh, perform yibum with her, now does she um, does she get a ketuvah? Um, is she uh, entitled to get a ketubah from the Yavam since it's a permitted relationship? That's an interesting question. Here's the two sides of it. On the one hand, we have a general rule that the Yavam does not have to pay the ketubah himself. He can pay her the ketubah from the property of the deceased husband. It was he's the one that entered the marriage in the first place and promised the ketuvah. The yavam is only coming to help out and take his place to have a child. He didn't choose to go and marry this this woman, and so he's just doing a favor. So therefore, the ketuvah should be paid by the estate of the deceased husband, since the deceased husband never uh, did not uh, have a ketuvah. She was not entitled to get a ketuvah from him. From him, so she still has no ketuvah from the yavam either. Okay, that makes sense. Or maybe you'll say as follows. What if the deceased husband dies without any money? So then does the does uh, the the Yavama not get any any ketuvah? No, the rabbi said it's not right for a woman to be in a marriage relationship without a ketuvah because she is vulnerable. Uh, she could be too easily divorced. We want to protect her, protect strengthen marriage. That's the whole reason why we have a ketuvah. So if the deceased husband has no property, then they the second husband, meaning the Yavam, who does Yibum, has to provide from his own funds a ketuvah payment at the end of their marriage. Uh, so in this case, that will be the same. Although in the first marriage, uh, the she does not get a ketubah. Um, it's not because he has no money, but because she's not deserving of it because it was a prohibited relationship. Um, nevertheless, now that she's in a permitted relationship with the second, so now he has to provide a ketubah. Is that equivalent, him having no money, is that equivalent to uh, this case where, yeah, for whatever reason, there was no ketubah from the first, the second has to provide a ketubah, no matter what. That's the two sides. Okay, uh, let's see the answer. Uh, we have a braita that answers it. Braita says that the ketubah is paid by the uh, property of the um, deceased husband's inheritance. Um, so, the, the, his property. That's a regular case. Um, but, if he, if the original husband was prohibited to her in a secondary uh, incestual relationship, then she does not get a ketubah, not from the first husband's estate and not from the second husband either, not from the Avam. So that's the answer. No, she does not. She forfeits her ketubah. She wasn't deserving it in the first place, so the Avam doesn't have to pay for it. Okay, we just have to clarify this, but that is that is the answer. But we have to clarify this badaita. What does it mean that she she gets from the first? 
And if it's a case where they're prohibited then to each other, then not, not from the Yavam. So that sounds like only in that case, the Yavam doesn't pay. But there is a, some other case where the Yavam does pay. What is that case? Why say vi'im hayta? Um, so we answer. Oh, there's some some words missing. We have to add them for clarification. That's the same. Yeah. So in the regular case where the husband dies, the husband's estate has to pay the ketubah, meaning the avam who does yibum upon the end of that of that second marriage he can use the deceased husband's property to pay the ketuvah. These are the words that we're adding for clarification. And if the deceased husband had no money, then the rabbis made a takana that the second has to pay because uh, we ha- everyone needs a ketuvah to strengthen the marriage uh, so that he won't be e- e- easy to divorce her. That's true. But that's the re- that's the principle that we have an exception. But if the original husband was a shenia, uh, uh, of to, to, if she was a shenia la baal, if she was prohibited to the original husband, and uh, therefore she did not deserve a kitubah in the first place from the original husband, then then the Avam does not have to have to step in and uh, provide a ketubah because he's only replacement for the deceased husband and she was never deserving of it in the first place. Okay, adding those words clarifies the flow of the Baraita and it's the same answer. Nope, she was penalized for the for, from being with the first husband. We want to encourage them to divorce so she gets no ketubah. So the Avam also does not have to go and pay on his own uh, for as a replacement for the first marriage. Okay, good. Now, next question. If you have a prohibited relation, uh, this is a deoraita prohibition, a love. Amana marrying Kohen Gadol. Egerusha married a Chalutza. Even though they're not permitted, if they do a marriage ceremony, it is a valid ceremony. Um, uh, so, divorce to a regular Kohen. Uh, while they're married, they have to get divorced. But while they're married, can she claim food that he has to pay for, pay her for food? Um, Mezonot, that's part of the Kitub obligation. While anyone is married, he, the husband, has to provide all the uh, uh, food for his wife. So how about in this case? So hechidami, what exactly is the case? What's the case? If they're actually living together, she is dwelling under his roof, so they have an, a standing order to get up and, and, and divorce her. So she's going to have, uh, she's going to get sustenance. They're obligated at every moment to separate from each other and to get divorced. So it doesn't make sense that she could come to court and say, oh, he didn't give me food. The court will say, what are you talking about food? You got to leave each other. So if that case, the answer would be no. He, she does not, she cannot claim sustenance. Rather must be a case where he went on a long trip. So they're not living together anyway. So they're not, there's no bi'ah. They're not actively violating by, uh, by living together. Now, while he's away, she needs to eat. So she borrows money from a friend and uh, so that she can eat. And then when he comes back, she says, listen, this whole time you were away, we are married and you have a, you have a kituvah. 
uh, that you gave me, so you have to sustain me. I borrowed money. Can you, I want you to pay me back? That's the question because they are or were separated anyway during that time. So then this question makes sense. So let's see. Mezone tena ketubaninhu medita ketuba it la mezone. On the one hand, you could say that sustenance is part of the conditions mentioned in the ketuba. And in this case, when they get divorced, she does she does collect the monetary value of the ketuvah. So since when they get divorced, she gets the ketuvah, the ketuvah is in force, and while they're married, also he has to pay. Um, uh, or, on the other hand, this is good reasoning, the, uh, the ketubah um, is there so that she can collect it and leave. If she will leave, then she gets it. The whole point is to encourage her to want to leave the marriage. So we say, you know what, you can get the ketubah, right? And that way, she'll have an incentive to get out of this prohibited marriage. Um, so that's why we pay her the ketubah. But if we allow her to collect sustenance, then she's not going to want to leave the marriage. She's going to I'm getting free food this whole time. I'll stay in a little longer. Uh, so that would be counterproductive to our goal. Our, our goal is to make them separate from this prohibited relation. So therefore, it makes sense to allow her to collect the ketubah at the end after divorce but not eat, eat before. Uh, so what's the answer? You're right, she does not get uh, sustenance. The second reasoning is more convincing than the first. Okay, no sustenance, even though she collects the ketubah at the end. Okay, yeshla. Hold on, we have a braita that she does get sustenance. What about that? Oh, that Baraita was talking about after he died. Let's say this uh, Kohen married a divorcee. They're living together, they're supposed to get divorced, right? The Betin is trying to get them to get divorced. In the meantime, he dies before any divorce happened. So there's the Ketuvah. So in that case, uh, the, the, she does get, um, she does collect the Ketuvah um, because they are no longer prohibited. So she can be sustained from the obligation in the ketubah. Okay, that's all one version. Another version, just a little bit different order. Some say that the, uh, the first answer that he gave, Rabbi Elazar asked Rabbi Yochanan, what's the case? Does she get to eat? Uh, um, does she get sustained? And first he brought the Braita and says, yes, she gets sustained. And then we ask, how could you say that she gets sustained? They have to get divorced every minute. Why should she, uh, why should she get sustained from food? Okay, yeah, but it says, Braita says, yes, she has, she does get sustenance. So we have a contradiction here between these two principles. And we answer, that she gets sustenance. That's only after his death, then she can get sustained from the estate because there is no, they are no longer living in a prohibited way because uh, he's dead. So she deserves the ketubah, but that's after death. If, if, the, if he's alive and they're remaining in a prohibited relationship, then you say, and she does not get sustenance. Okay. And now we get a next baraita tenora banan almana lekohen gadol gedusha vachalusel lekohen ediot yesh la ketuba 
פירות, מזונות, ולאות, והיא פסולה, ובלדה פסול, וכופין אותו להוציא. This פרייטה is going to bring out two cases. This is the paradox that we saw in the Mishnah, and now it's spelled out even more clearly. In the case of these deoraita, love prohibitions of Amnakon Gadol divorcee, or someone who has got chalitza. Remember that someone who, um, who, who, was, uh, who received chalitza, called a chalutza, is prohibited from being with a um, kohen, like a divorcee, although it's only midirabanan. The Torah doesn't say anything about that. So because it's like a gerusha, so the rabbis say she cannot be with a kohen. That's going to come up. Um, okay, in all these cases, uh, even though it's a prohibited relationship and they have to get divorced, nevertheless, upon divorce, she does deserve a kituva, and uh, she also can get produce that the husband had used in the meantime. She does, during the marriage, get mizonot. At the end of the marriage, she gets the worn-out clothing or their value. Uh, she is pisula, meaning she becomes a halala. Their children that they have are also halalim, and the entire time they're married, we force them to leave each other to divorce. That's case one. Case two. Shiniyot midivre sofrim. If someone is married to someone who he is prohibited to do, to, as because of incest. But it's a secondary one, like the grandmother case that we saw on the chart. In those cases, they also have to get divorced. But let's see. And la ketuva, upon divorce, she does not get a ketuva. Lo perot, she cannot claim back the um, fruits that he ate. From her property, lo mezonot velo belaot. She does not get sustained with food. She does not get uh, the worn-out clothing. Vehi keshera uvlada kasher. Nevertheless, she is keshera. Uh, from then on, uh, she can marry a kohen. The children are just fine. They're not mamzerim. It's only a secondary midrabanan. Edva, uh, so that does not could, could create mamzerut, at least not on a, on a doraita level. See, in both cases, we, we the betin will force them to divorce each other. Good. So that's the two cases. Now the question: Amar Rabbi Shimon ben Ben El Azar. ma amru gadol yesh la ketuva. shu pasul vehi pesula. shu pasul vehi pesula. Kansu oto ketuba. Why in the first case where Amanakon Gadol, that's a Deoraita prohibition, um, we say there is a ketuva? And the answer is because he is pasul, the Kohen, the Kohen while he's married to, to a divorcee, he cannot, for example, serve in the Bet HaMikdash. Pasul. And she is a halala. And uh, their children will be problems, will be halalim. So any time that they are living in a prohibited relationship that causes them detriment, so then we say we we penalize him, the man, and we say you you have to divorce her and you have to pay the kituva. We assume that he's the instigator. He he's he he's uh, caused the problem, and he's going to want to get out of the marriage anyway because this whole time he cannot uh, serve in the Beit Hamikdash, and so. Because he will want to get out of this prohibited relationship because they have problems uh, while they're married, so he's going to have to pay the kituva when they leave, as opposed to the second case. But if uh, the second case where the prohibition is only midivre sofrim, 
And so there's no ketuvah there because he remains kasher, she remains keshera, meaning during marriage, there's no penalty to them. Uh, they're not losing out on anything. So they're comfortable. They may stay married. So there we need some extra incentive to make sure that they will uh, leave each other. And so anytime that uh, there's no other prohibition that that they um, there's no other penalties that they are suffering from. So you, so the rabbis say, you know what? We have to give, to give a kanas on her to uh, to that she does not get, get a ketuvah. See, if she's going to get a ketuvah, she's going to say, I'm happy in this marriage. Uh, while we're married, she gets it's financially good for a woman to be married. She gets free food and shelter and clothing and everything. And she gets a ketuvah at the end. That's her retirement plan. Literally, when her husband retires, dies, she gets a... Uh, she gets uh, uh, she gets a payment, so that's good. So if it's if things are too good, she's going to want to stay in the marriage, and there's nothing bad happening to her, nothing bad happening to him. So therefore, the rabbis give a fine. They said, "Listen, at the end of this marriage, you're not going to get to ketuvah." She said, "I'm not going to get a ketuvah. This is not a good deal for me. I want out." Also, a secondary benefit is that it'll be easier for the husband to divorce her because he doesn't have to give a payout. So just give a just give the get, doesn't have to pay a ketuvah. So we want to make it easier for him to give a get and we want to encourage her to demand a get. And so uh, we do that by saying um, no, uh, no, no ketuvah. Okay, that is all the explanation of the Bishimon ben El Azad. However, the B has a, a different formulation. The B Omer, Halalu Divre Torah, Divre Torah, and Serichin Chizuk. Halalu Divre Soferim, Divre Sofrim, Serichim Chizuk. The first case of a Kohen married to a divorcee, that's prohibited from the Torah. And so the words of the Torah are authoritative in and of themselves. They don't need our extra strengthening by adding another penalty or encouragement. People are, maybe they, in this case, they did violate a Torah prohibition, but the Betin can come and say, you violated Torah prohibition, it's going to be very strict, and therefore, there's nothing that the rabbis need to do to strengthen the Torah. Torah is strong enough on its own. Whereas the second one, they only prohibited Midivre Sofrim. So people will say, oh, it's only prohibited Midivre Sofrim, we're going to stay married, it's no big deal, it's a light thing. Therefore, the rabbis say, we need to strengthen Divre Sofrim. How are we going to strengthen it? By saying, you get divorced, you have to get divorced and no ketuvah. And that way, it'll, that will encourage him to give a divorce and her, her to want a divorce. That's the reason. Um, okay, so we have the machloket here. We're going to see the ramifications of this machloket. Um, first, uh, a, a more explanation of it. Now, we have davar acher. Another opinion says, Zehu margila hi margilato. We're about going to ask in a second, who says this Tavar Acher? Is this Tavar Acher another version of the Bishimon or another version of the B? Uh, anyway, the Tavar Acher says that here, um, in this case, he is the one who is encouraging her. When they are both disqualified, in other words, when he is a, a Kohen married to a divorcee, and now he can't serve in the Bet HaMikdash, and so he is uh, the one who's, uh, in, uh, and she also has, she becomes halala, their children become halalim. So in that case, he is the one that is going to be encouraging her. Come on, stay in the marriage. It's not good for her to be in the marriage with, for, with her children being halalim, his also. But he's going to be the one encouraging. And therefore, we say, you have to pay the ketuvah.
the man. You have to pay the ketuba. Whereas in the second case, he margilato, since there is no no penalty uh, against her, her children will be just fine. She is uh, she is she is just fine. So uh, in general, it's a good deal for a woman to be in a marriage. All else being equal, if there's no other penalties, uh, she financially she gets free food. She gets taken care of. Um, and so she's going to be the one saying, hey, let's stay in the marriage, even though it's prohibited. I want to stay. Since she is going to be the one encouraging, so therefore we take away her kituva, we penalize her so that she will want to get a divorce. Okay, so that's a, um, a yet a third formulation of the difference between the cases of um, uh, Kohen and the divorcee and between the Shiniyot Le'arayot. Okay, now this davar acher man katani la who is this is the second formulation for whom ika de amar Rabbi Shimon ben Lazar katani. Some say it's just an explanation of Rabbi Shimon ben Lazar's uh, statement. It's further explaining what he said. Matam kamar. What's the reason? He's giving an explanation. Matam amru who pasul vehi pesula konsu oto ketuva. Why, when he is pasul and she is pesula, meaning a case of uh, kohen married to a divorcee. Do we say that we penalize him because he is the one that's encouraging her? Come on, stay in the marriage, even though it's bad for her. She's halala. She, her children is, are going to be halalim. So he's the one encouraging her. So we penalize him. And what's the reason why when they are kosher, when the marriage is only a shiniyot, as only midivre sofrim, and he remains a kosher kohen, and she remains kosher for anything? How come there we penalize her by with by refusing? Uh, that by saying that she does not her, her kituva does not get paid because in that case she is the one encouraging him to remain in the marriage because it's good for her uh, and she has no loss from it so that's why we we penalize her okay so in other words it's not a different it's not a different explanation davar is simply explaining Rabbi Shimon okay that's all one version ikadamar or another version. Uh, maybe this is Rabbi. Rabbi said something. Either he said this or he said this. And there's two different formulations of Rabbi's opinion. And so why do we need the second formulation? Because he had a problem with the first formulation, which is it doesn't work for Chalutzah. In the first formulation here, he said, there's a difference between the Torah that need chizuk, and so therefore, Divret Torah don't need chizuk, and therefore, you pay the ketuvah anyway. Um, and Divret Sofrim needs chizuk, and therefore, no ketuvah, so we encourage them to get divorced. Yeah, but here's the problem. Chalutza, if a, if a Kohen marries a Chalutza, that's only Midrabanan a problem. And there is, and the halacha is that she collects a ketuvah. Why? Since it's Rabbanan, we should say it needs chizuk. And there should be no kituva. So you see, Chalutza uh, does not, uh, um, is an exception to this to his uh, reasoning. So therefore, Hadad Amar, there, therefore he uh, changed his explanation and said, "Here's why. Here's a better explanation." Uh, since in the case of a Kohen married to a divorcee, um, she becomes disqualified. Um, 
she becomes prohibited from marrying a Kohen, and also she cannot eat teruma. Um, and if it's she married to a chalutza, that would be from on a derabanan level. So anyway, since it's, it's negative for her to be in this relationship, zehu margila. In this case, he is going to be the one encouraging her. Come on, why don't you stay in the marriage anyway? All right, even though it's not good for you, please stay. So since he's the one encouraging, therefore he has to pay the kitubah. Whereas in the case uh, where they are prohibited from each other in the secondary relationship, since uh, there's nothing negative, there's no penalty uh, that's happening to him or her. So all told, it's better for her to be in a marriage uh, because of the financial benefits of being married and receiving a kituvah. Uh, so therefore, since she in that case is going to be the one uh, who's encouraging him, come on, let's stay in this prohibited marriage because uh, it's good for her. Therefore, she is the one that gets penalized by uh, having, getting no kituvah. Okay, so according to that, this is an explanation for Rabbi's opinion. All right, now that we clarified both of these explanations for this paradox, um, we ask Maika ben Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon ben Alazar, what would be a practical case where one of the reasons would apply and the other wouldn't, and they would have a disagreement on the outcome? We're going to see a few different uh, answers to this. If you have a woman, she is a mamzeret, or she is a netina, right? Uh, one of the give-onim uh, uh, who uh, who converted under false pretenses and are not allowed to marry into the kahal. So she has a problem because she can't marry many people. She cannot marry a regular Israel. Let's say she does. And so now they are married. This is a, a love. This is a prohibition. And this would be a difference between them. According to the B, where uh, the reason that you do get a ketubah is because it's a deoraita prohibition. So this is also a deoraita prohibition. And therefore, um, yes, they have to get divorced. But upon divorce, she would get a ketubah. But the other opinion that says you will pay a divorce uh, in the case of a Kohen and a divorcee because you, you pay the Kituba in, the, in that case because he is the one that's encouraging her to stay. In this case, it's the opposite. She is encouraging him to stay. After all, she is a mamzedet. So her marriage options are very limited. She's a lower class. For her, this is a step up to be able to be married to a Yisrael. So she's going to be encouraging him. Come on, stay in the marriage, stay in the marriage. Therefore, she is the one that will be penalized and you would not get a kituvah. According to the B, therefore, she would get a kituvah because it's the Oraita problem. And according to... Uh, Rabbi Shimon, no ketuvah. Okay, so there you go. That's a difference. Now we ask, will it be Eliezer? Damar umamzer now, in what way would she be uh, uh, encouraging him to to marry? Number one, yes, it is a, is going in class uh, up. On the other hand, her children are going to be a problem because these children are still mamzerim, right? Because according to the majority opinion, if Yisrael is married to a mamzeret, the children follow the mamzeret. The, the, the worst case. So the, the children can still be um, mamzerim. So therefore, wouldn't that be a reason for her to get out because the children are mamzerim? Now for her, no matter who she marries, the kids are going to be mamzerim. Um, but there is a way out. 
uh, for her children, which is that if she has a, a mamzer son and marries him off to a shifcha kenaanit, then the status of the, that, those children follow the shifcha, and then you, they can be freed and lose the mamzer status. So there is a way for her to free her children. So therefore, it's good for her to want to stay in that marriage. So that is a good answer according to the majority. But there is the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer that says that the child of a mamzer and a shifcha kenaanit is an evid and mamzer. He also is a mamzer. And therefore, it's not good for her to, to stay in this marriage. There's no help. Um, because there's no way to for her for her kids to be um, to get out, so she's not going to want to have children, and uh, she's not going to want to remain in this marriage. So she's not going to want to remain in, in there uh, in that marriage, and therefore, even according to the Be Eliezer, you would not make her forfeit the ketuva. Uh, even according to the Be El Azad, Bidabi Shimon, you would not make her for, force her to re- renounce her ketuvah. We therefore answer, uh, offer an, another answer uh, that will uh, hopefully be acceptable by everyone, even by the Be'eliezer. So, uh, here you have a case of someone who's married, they divorced, she marries a second guy, they divorce, she comes back and remarries the first husband. That is a problem. Um, so, that's Isur Lav Medeoraita. It's explicit in the Pesukim. So, therefore, according to the B, uh, Torah does not need any extra support. So, she can receive her Ketubah. And according to the other one who says that you only receive a Ketubah when he is the one encouraging. But in this case, she would be encouraging because this prohibited relationship does not affect her or her children. Or it says, Isur Lav. So, her children are not Mamzerim. And uh, she goes on living just fine. And therefore, she would want to stay in the marriage because she is instigating uh, to stay in the marriage. It's uh, She is the one that deserves to be penalized to encourage her to leave. So um, that would be uh, that would be a second answer. Now we challenge this one too. Um, it's good according to most opinions. But according to the Biakiva, a sur lav does produce a mamzed as a sur lav. So the kids will be mamzedim. So she's not going to want to stay in such a marriage where her kids would be going to be mamzedim. She'd much rather leave and marry some uh, someone else altogether where her children could be fine. So ha She's not encouraging him to stay in. So that would not be a case. Uh, everyone would agree in this case that she should get the kituva. Rather, if a Kohen Gadol marries a Be'ula, this is only violating a Misvat Ase. The Kohen Gadol, he has to marry Kim Betula. Um, so if, he has a be, if he's with a Be'ula, then let's see. This is a biblical prohibition, so according to the B, um, biblical prohibitions don't need extra support, so she receives the Ketubah. And according to the one who says that you only get a, a, a Ketubah when he is the one encouraging her, but here she would encourage him because after all, even according to the Biakiva who says there is a Mamzer from Lavin, even the Biakiva does not think that there is a Mamzer from an Isur Aseh. 
um, a prohibition that derives from a misvat which is what a be'olalik when gadol is. And therefore the children are not affected. They're not mamzidin, they're perfectly fine. So she has no problem staying in the marriage. She's going to be the one encouraging him. Come on, let's remain in this pro- prohibited relationship. Come on, Kohen Gadol. So what? All right? And so therefore, since she is the one encouraging, she should she deserves the fine and lose her ketuva. All right, so that's good according to most opinions. But according to Eliezer ben Yaakov, who says that even if it's only in Isur Aseh, the children will be chalalim. According to most opinions, a Be'olah Lekon Gadol, though it's prohibited, the children are not chalalim. But according to Eliezer ben Yaakov, the children are chalalim, so she's not going to want to have kids with them. She's going to much rather say, let me get out of here, go marry someone else. Um, and, um, and, uh, and thereby have children that are just perfectly fine. So, therefore, she deserves the ketubah. Okay, so we give yet another answer. Uh, Rav Asheh says, talking about a case where you have someone who suspected his wife of uh, committing adultery and says, uh, you're a sota, we have to come drink the waters. Uh, but she's safek, we don't know what, what she is. During that time, they're supposed to separate from one another, right? Mishnah says that the Betin sends people to two Tamid Chamim to, uh, to uh, uh, be with them, chaperone them as they come to the Bet HaMikdash so that they will not sleep together until she drinks the waters and clarifies everything. Uh, so they're not supposed to be together. Now, what if he does? What if he says, oh, I accused her, but then they go and sleep together anyway. That's Machzir Safek Sotato. He accused her of being a Safek. He's not sure. And then he goes and is and uh, they live together anyway. That would be a difference between the two opinions. Let's see. This is a Doraita prohibition. He's not allowed to be with her. So therefore, uh, Doraita does not need any extra encouragement. And therefore, the, the rabbis can leave her uh, her kituvah as it is. She gets she gets paid. But according to the one who says that, you get a ketuvah when he is the one encouraging her, but here she would be encouraging him. Why? Because she does not lose out anything by remaining in this marriage. Uh, she, although it's a, there's a prohibition, but the children, should they have children, are not mamzidim, and she remains in her previous status. She does not become a halala or a zona by being with them. So she, all things told, uh, all things being equal, would would prefer to remain in a marriage, even though there's a prohibition, because there are no uh, further penalties or consequences to her. So therefore, she um, is encouraging. She deserves the fine and not get her ketuvah. Okay, good. That would be true according to most opinions, but Remember when we had a whole bunch of different opinions about the definition of zona, he gave a very expansive definition and said, even if they are on their their way, a suffix sota, to make her drink, and while they're on their way, he sleeps with her, this is the least stringent case of uh, of a forbidden relationship because they are, after all, married to each other. And it could be that she'll be found to be totally fine and uh, after drinking it. Nevertheless, according to that causes her to be a zona. And so therefore, she's not going to want to remain in this relationship because that makes her a zona.
Okay, so ha lo lo So she's not going to be encouraging him to remain in this relationship. Who rather final answer is that we're talking about where a case where she is the definite sota. In other words, she definitely committed adultery. In that case, she's not allowed, if she did it on purpose, she's not allowed to go back to her husband. And um, uh, and this would be a case that makes a difference because in this case, number one, um, according to the B, this is a sur midoraita. So therefore, she deserves a ketubah because any sur midoraita, if she goes back to her husband after this for sure adultery. And according to Rabbi Shimon ben El Azar, she will want to remain in this marriage. What's the difference with number four? In this case, because she committed adultery on purpose, she's already a zona. Uh, certainly according to the Bimatiya ben Kharash. And uh, therefore, since she has nothing more to lose uh, by remaining in the marriage, she will encourage remaining in the marriage, and therefore she deserves uh, she's, she deserves the fine uh, to lose her ketuvah, and that's the final answer. Okay, what you see the Bavli does here is something uh, uh, quite brilliant, is that we have a whole bunch of different answers by different Amoraim. Probably in the original context, they said them independently, here's another possibility, here's another possibility. Um, but rather than just give a list of you know, many different possible possibilities, the Bavli wants to link them all in a chain of questions and answers. So how does it do that? by challenging each one, gives one, gives a challenge. Even though the challenge is not a major challenge, it's only because of one opinion, uh, nevertheless, it's uh, much easier to remember and you learn a lot more by putting them into a question-answer sequence, um, as if each one is rejecting the one before, even though in fact, uh, probably all of these Amoraim are giving alternative possibilities to the uh, to what would be a difference between the two reasonings between the Bishman Shimon and Lazad and the B. Baruch Adonai Olam, Amen, Amen.